My name is Jacob Stoops, and you're listening to the Page 2 Podcast, my podcast about the reality of being an SEO in which I chronicle the real-life stories, experiences, challenges, and advice from some of the most amazing people in the industry. In this episode, we chat with J.R. Oaks, Senior Director of Technical SEO Research at Adapt Partners and part of the thriving SEO community in Raleigh, North Carolina. We talk about how he went from a career as an architectural glass designer to a developer, then an SEO, and then a technical SEO. We also talk about how he got involved in setting up the Beer and SEO Meetup Group in Raleigh, as well as his involvement in the well-known Tech SEO subreddit that has had some really amazing industry guests, especially recently. We cover public speaking, imposter syndrome, how things in SEO could be automated over the next several years, the current climate within the SEO community, what it's like to be named to Search Engine Journal's top 140 SEOs to follow in 2019, which actually came with its own baseball card, which was very cool, uh, and so much more. So get your popcorn and gear up for another candid SEO conversation. This is Jacob Stoops, and I am here with J.R. Oaks, Senior Director of Technical SEO Research at Adapt Partners, uh, and he is out of Raleigh. Is it Raleigh? Raleigh. Raleigh, Raleigh, yes. A lot of people say it, Rayleigh, Raleigh, but uh, I heard you say Raleigh earlier, so I'm just going going with that. How are you doing, J.R.? I'm great. How are you? I am excellent. It is uh, another another late night recording, so I appreciate you kind of uh, being willing. Although you're you're on East Coast time, so you're on the same time. I've I've done a, a recordings with other people where it was they were London time or Australia time. Oh. So it's always yeah. weird trying to hit the um, hit the right time, but we're both on East Coast time, so this is a, a late night recording session for us both. But looking forward to. Um, to getting into some awesome SEO conversations. Um, so tell the audience, if they don't know you, and they, they should know you because I, I feel like you've got a good uh, Twitter presence and you're in a lot of places, but if, if they don't know you, who are you? Um, really brief overview is um, I am a former architectural glass artist turned developer turned SEO turned technical SEO, a um, huge fan of uh, applying data science principles to SEO, um, and a huge fan of uh, automation for SEO. Um, that's, that's me in a nutshell. Um, I'm a big, huge um, NC State football fan, uh, big craft beer fan, um, and um, uh, write for a couple of uh, publications, Search Engine Land, um, and I'm an uh, organizer of, I've been an organizer of two meetup groups in Raleigh, but currently I'm an organizer of the Beer and SEO meetup, and we have a a pretty cool lineup this year, but um, I really enjoy kind of giving back and sharing and bringing great content and trying to build up Raleigh uh, as kind of a SDO Mecca. So that's, that's my intro. <laughs> yeah. Raleigh is starting to, uh, to get a name for, for itself. Uh, got some pretty good SEOs, uh, around the, uh, around the local area or 
or that you're uh, pulling into your beer and, and SEO event, I've, I've noticed. Yeah, we have um, uh, JP Sherman with Red Hat, Patrick Stocks with IBM, Jenny Hollis, Russ Jones, um, uh, uh, Jake Bohall. Um, it's, it's, it's amazing because I used to work for an agency that was nationally, national work from home. And I didn't start, I started out as a developer in the SEO. And then I started going out to meetup groups <laughs> and then I met Patrick Stocks. And then, you know, you're reading like PubCon, you're seeing PubCon going to conferences, you're reading all this stuff online and then you just start like bumping into everybody, <laughs> all of these like really cool, amazing people uh, in Raleigh. And you're like, wow, I've been in the hole my, for the past <laughs> four years. And like, they're all here and like, you can just walk up and talk to them and share and they'll sh open up and spend 30 minutes talking about SEO with you. So um, that was a, a huge kind of eye-opening moment for me of just how open and accessible uh, and just really good-natured a lot of it. There's, I mean, there are a lot of hateful SEOs out there, but uh, Raleigh has a, a lot of really good kind of opening, welcoming, helpful SEOs. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I think uh, that's something I want to kind of help develop so how did you get into being a glass designer uh, well I wanted as I went to school for industrial design and I hated it and I was um, uh, I was a um, I always wanted to be an artist since when I was really young I drew all the time and I just walked up to the studio one day and um, just walked through it. And I was like, I want to work here. And I, so I worked there while I was in school and then an opportunity to be like the, the lead designer um, opened up. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. I get to um, uh, use this really old art form, uh, create really great, uh, pieces of art for um, uh, uh, um, that were really fulfilling and and just beautiful. And then you know, I was the designer for a while, and then was the general manager because I just I really enjoyed kind of the business aspect mm -hmm. of it too, and just kind of grew into that direction. Um, and we added on um, a lot of capacity to and brought in a lot of talent to do some really great um uh architectural or um uh, glass carving um, um got to use a lot of different varieties of like czechoslovakian glass uh hand-blown glass mouth-blown glass came in come in in these huge crates and it was like terribly expensive but uh, we had the clients that wanted to pay for it um, but we got to do a real lot of really cool things there. And a lot of, uh, I liked it because you could draw these designs, uh, uh, on the computer and then color them. And then the client is like, yeah, I trust you. It's going to be nice. And then, you know, you plot it out and then you get the glass and it's just this gorgeous glass and you put it together and start seeing it come together. And then the first time that you pull it up and, 
and see it and the lights coming through it. It's just, it's, it's, and then just thinking about it was some just like goofy idea that you had yeah. about six or eight weeks ago um, was pretty cool. So I, I, I got a lot uh, out of doing that for years. It, it was uh, really rewarding. Um, and we got to do, luckily we got um, a lot of, um, we had a lot of opportunities to do it for some pretty well-known people uh, and some pretty big projects so that there was money enough to do something that was really cool and it wasn't um, uh, just a lot of mundane work, I guess. So I guess what made you turn from that, which sound, it sounds extremely fulfilling and awesome, to becoming a developer and then developer to SEO, to technical SEO, how did you... How did you go through that progression? I think I had worked there for about 10 years and it was a lot then because I, I always, like, I enjoyed the art and then I found out that I had a love of business and reading P&L and uh, numbers, right? I loved numbers um, and I also loved um, um, how you could make directional sense with numbers for how you ran businesses, right? So that was something that was really interesting to me. Um, also, from a design standpoint, I loved, I used Illustrator, Photoshop, um, and I was really enjoyed coding, right? I, I just, I enjoy structure and things, and there's, there's structure in numbers, there's structure in code, uh, and I enjoy kind of creating things. So I found myself developing on the weekends uh, in Joomla <laughs> back yeah. in the time, which is, uh, which is way back. And then, uh, obviously, uh, I developed our website, and it was terrible back then. Um, but I, I enjoyed the creative process of, of being able to to conceive of something and then execute it. And it's something that's usable and useful and, and has value. Right. Um, and I think that translates. Um, um, also, I think to a certain extent, um, like web design back then, while the art was very beautiful and, and it, it was, um, it was steel. And, and back then I, I just, I think that was about the time like jQuery was coming out and there were really interesting things that you could do with develop design development and actually creating some kind of unique experiences online. So I just started spending more time there and then got in, got familiar with work uh, with Joomla, got familiar with WordPress. Uh, and then I had an opportunity from a friend of mine, um, uh, another company like came to me and was like, they're looking for a WordPress developer. And I had developed about four or five WordPress sites uh, up to that point. And it was uh, the, it was coming off a downturn in the economy where it in Raleigh, it, it was a faucet, right? Like it was like tons of business. And then like, I think it was what 2007 or, 2008 or something like that, or maybe 2009. And then it was just, it was like a faucet. It was like one day it's like we're have too many clients, right? The next day it's like, we don't have any clients. Right. Um, 
so that hit and then um i got this opportunity um my daughter was about to start uh um kindergarten and i'm like you know you know i can go into something that i like doing uh, i can get paid more um, i can work from home and be at home when my daughter goes to school and comes home from school um and i felt at that time it was a little more recession proof <laughs> because it was more of a national company and it wouldn't uh, be as uh, affected and people businesses are going to market and the internet's not like a fad that's going to die off tomorrow so there were kind of a lot of different things coming together at one time that's like this may be the right decision for me does that make sense oh it totally totally makes sense uh and as a, a fellow work from homer and um and parent uh as well my my son is now in kindergarten so um yeah I'm now feeling what you were probably going through. Um, you think about them before you think about yourself. And when you think about your job and your, your livelihood, they come right to the, to the forefront of your, your mind because you have to be able to, um, to make sure that whatever you do and, and uh, what, whatever career you choose, like you've got to be able to, to put, put food on the table, make them happy, so on yeah. and so on. So I, I totally, totally understand, you know, moving from a, uh, an industry that was maybe not going in the right direction to something that is a little bit more stable. Although it, I guess it depends on if you're at an agency or in-house or, uh, or whatever stable is a relative term, but more stable. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I think it was, a uh, like, um, like that, the glass work was extremely fulfilling for me, mm-hmm. but, and it paid okay. Right. Um, but it was, it also felt like that there needed to be some type of closure of my life at that point that I really kind of had gotten my artistic stuff out. I had realized that I'm, I, you know, I'm, I don't think I ever had aspirations to be like this. I mean, this uh international like class artist you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's like i'm too kind of um mundane i think <laughs> for that i just I, like i i like to to talk i like to give value but i don't i'm not like flashy and i, I, I you know i'm very modest in everything a lot of things that i do um so i mean i kind of feel like that that was like my 20s were almost like for me you know what I mean? And yeah. getting to experience that. But then as when we had children, it's like everything just needs to be about them. Right. And what direction mm-hmm. am I moving in that values adds more value to them. Right. Yeah. So I think that's, I think it was that partition where I needed to really head strongly in that direction. So changing gears a little bit. So I want to talk about the, the beer and SEO uh, group that you've set up and you touched on it a little bit earlier. Um, I guess, tell me about that. Tell me how you got into it, how you decided to set it up and what it's like to run a meetup group like that. Uh, that's a good question. Um, I, um, I, I, 
like I said, I worked from home for a number of years and um, I, I, th- I made a resolution one year and I'm like, I like, I work from home all the time. I don't know anybody in the community, right? I never meet SEOs. And I said, like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to make it a, a resolution to meet people in the community this year and do that. Right. And so it was that January I went to uh, the meetup, uh, um, the Raleigh SEO meetup. Um, and Frank uh, is uh, the organizer there. And, um, uh, it had just come off of, uh, Phil Buckley having run the, and, uh, having run the meetup for years and, um, it was going through a little bit of transition. Right. And so I went to the first meetup and it was great. I think I met Patrick there at one of the first ones. Um, and, um, uh, at the first meetup I went to, Frank's like, do you want to present next month? <laughs> and I was like, holy crap, this is my first meetup I've ever been to, and then I'm going to be presenting, right? So I presented on this uh, kind of automating things with Google Sheets. It was like a really great presentation. I don't, I think we had like 20 people there, um, or maybe 30, but it was like, I was like so proud of that because uh, yeah. I've moved to Python now, but Google Sheets back in the day, like you could do so much to automate stuff with Google Sheets. Um I presented on that and then Frank is like, you're going to become an organizer. Right. Um, so I did that with, uh, Frank and, uh, Patrick for a few years and, um, uh, you know, Raleigh SEO is a huge meetup group. It has like maybe three, 4,000 members. Um, it pulls hundred, 120 people, depending upon who the speaker is. A lot of times it's maybe 40, 50, 60 people. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was, that was great. I, I kind of really wanted, uh, uh, but the, the Raleigh SEO was more targeted to, it was very broad, right? When you had a meetup group, it was like, we don't want to go too technical. We don't want to go too much because, you know, we don't want, uh, the business owner to come in who's, you know, just, uh, heard something about SEO, we want it to be approachable for them as well. Right. Um, so I really wanted to, I, and, um, not, I'm just, I'm saying I, me personally, I wanted to do something that was more targeted to the agency and in-house, right. Um, where people that did SEO all day could like come together, like grab a beer, see a really interesting presentation, uh, and then talk about it. Right. Um, and, and, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be kind of watered down for like a general audience, mm-hmm. uh, but you can talk about more technical stuff. You can share information, you can share strategies, tactics in a way um, that's, that's meaningful. Um, and then with that, uh, that was um, Rob uh, Delory who works at uh, the design, uh, the digital um, Patrick and, um, several others, Grayson Parks, uh, at, uh, at adapt, uh, Jennifer Wright, uh, at go fish. Um, uh, we all just kind of came together and we're like, you know, let's just build it a meetup group, right? We got go fish and adapt to sponsor. 
Um, and then I just started calling people and so, and said, so, I mean, ultimately you just have to set up, you have to get people to say, yes, I'm going to come present. And hopefully most of those are like really cool people that people want to hear. Mm-hmm. And then you just got to find some place <laughs> that's willing to put on. There's a lot of other little details there. Um, but that's the hard, hard work. But, you know, we're for, uh, um, we've had Russ Jones, James Pate of IBM, uh, we just had a miss. I'm forgetting somebody. We just had, um, I believe it was JP Sherman. JP Sherman. Yeah. Yeah. We just had JP Sherman. I feel like I'm missing. I know I'm missing in myself. Yeah. And myself. Yeah. So that, that's right. And then we have Patrick, uh, we have Jenny Hollis coming up. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, we just, we have a Slack channel. We just communicate. Mm-hmm. We're just like, hey, we need some graphics for this. Somebody does that. Hey, you know, I have, you know, we have the projector. We have the screen. Um, we know other meetups in the area. Chris Douglas with uh, Triangle Marketing helped us out by lending us a projector. So it's it's very collaborative. Um, but the really cool thing about it is, is that I think in about a week time, I was able to fill up a full calendar for, for almost a full calendar for 2019. And I, you just email like all these well-known people that you go pay thousands at conferences to go see. And they're like, ah, oh, sure. Yeah, sure. That, I'll come. That's the thing I've been surprised about. And, and I will say your experience with putting that meetup group together, it mirrors, uh, I would say my experience is probably to a lesser extent what it's like to, um, be the lone person launching and running uh, a podcast. Like the easy part is to get on and talk. The hard part is to book guests and, and get all of the equipment and do all the editing and things uh, yeah. and do promotion on top, on top of that. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of other stuff that goes into it that when you get the idea, I'm going to start a podcast that you forget to think about. And then you realize <laughs> once you're in, you're like, Oh crap, I've got to do all this other, other stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. But one of, one thing I wanted to ask is, so you mentioned a lot of really, really smart people, yourself included. Is there any level, and when you were going into that for the first time, was there any level of like social anxiety or imposter syndrome? Because for me, that's something that um, I think that for me hinders me. And I, I know that there are other people probably like me. What advice would you give if there was any of that for you? I don't think you're a good SEO if you don't have imposter syndrome. <laughs> I mean, it, that's the one thing that I've learned. Like the thing that, the thing that makes a good SEO is drive to be a better SEO. And it, uh, in my experience and in talking with others, like uh, we were, uh, we were touched on Patrick stocks earlier. And I, I, I don't think he has imposter <laughs> syndrome, but like the guy, reads everything he's at every conference like he's always there he's in something do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. that it's drive right and like I think for me at least like the thought of I'm nervous of somebody who's doing work right now that I'm not doing that's becoming better than me yeah do you know what I mean oh yeah and if, if you don't if you don't have that and you know the I, I like I've it too many times. I, I think there's two things. I think tech SEOs have 
it's it's kind of a two-edged sword because I think SE, a lot of SEOs, or at least the better SEOs, have imposter syndrome of that they feel like they're a fake. They feel like they don't know what they should, uh, that there's things that they should know that they don't know. There are things that they <laughs> that they should know that they don't know. Every SEO knows is, is like that. Um, but the weird thing about it is, and this is something that I learned doing a few presentations and talking to people, is like like stuff that like feels like so natural and just stupid silly to you to talk about, mm-hmm. like will blow somebody else's mind. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, um, uh, I, I think that's the, the, I think the, I think if you don't have imposter syndrome to a, a, a little bit and I'm like, I've talked about this with some like super well-known people, do you know what I mean? Who like you look up to and they're, they're talking and, you know, they're like, they're like, know everything there is. And like, they don't, and they don't feel like they do. And, and it, I think it's that thirst um, to f- want to feel like they fit in and, and, and that they have that desire that really makes them really good and want to do the breathing, want to put in the effort, want to put in the time um, to do the work. Is that, is that? Oh, yes. It, it's totally fair. Um, and it makes, it makes total sense. And in fact, I had, um, I had an instance today where I was talking to a client and I was going through, um, what the tech audit process was going to entail. We're working, uh, uh, we've done some content work and we kind of had to go backwards with them a little bit where they were doing a, a redesign and between the start of the relationship and the launch of the redesign, there just wasn't enough time to do a bunch of full audits. We just had to hit the ground running and give them like a tech audit light and focus on kind of content. And we decided, hey, once we get through that redesign, we're going to circle back and go deeper into the tech audit. So we had uh, we'd started talking about that today and we had some time and I, and I outlined the process and we got to the end and the, the executive level person on the call basically was like, well, you completely, everything that you said almost was like, woo, right over, right over my, right over my head. Um, yeah. And I, and I try to empathize with, with people sometimes. And sometimes as I'm talking, I don't realize that that's happening. And I know my, my fear when it comes to conferences or when it comes to like meeting people, it's like, oh my God, they're going to discover that I'm just this idiot and I don't know <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about or oh I'm not going to be able to go up there and tell them something they don't already know yeah so yeah I it totally makes sense and I can imagine that there are plenty more people that feel like me and in fact it's probably come up on every one of my interviews within this podcast which it, it's it's becoming a theme and it's definitely something that I think should be talked about and should be talked about as often as possible yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I think one thing that helps me and I've kind of segmented this is asking the question, like, like, what do you want to be known for? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because it's like I started in SEO and it was, I mean, it was WordPress SEO, right? So it's, I mean, it, it, like it, it wasn't a lot. Um, 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 
but you know, it was, you know, are title tags there, descriptions there are, you know, are, is your title the right link? Does it include a keyword? Uh, you know, are, are this, 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 all these little check marks that you had mm-hmm. for all your stuff. And like, like since then, you know, it, you've got into like deep technical, you've got on page, you've got uh, content marketing to a certain extent, you have link building, um, you have kind of information architecture, you have information retrieval, you have like so many different mobile, it's a whole other thing, JavaScript, uh, um, rendering, pre-rendering, you know, there's so many different kind of things that certain people kind of develop these kind of specialties with an SEO where when companies have like this problem, right? Uh, and it's not just a general, you know, you know, our, our SEO is bad, right? But, you know, we're trying to solve X and nobody's been able to solve X for us, right? And then they go looking for who has the expertise in X. Um, I think some of that is, is really interesting and one of the reasons why like I've tried to position myself is kind of really understanding the data side of it and data integrations and uh, data analysis and natural language processing is because there's so many kind of exciting areas within that. Um, and so many exciting problems you can solve within that. Um, but that's helped me at least like, I think, what is it? Um, uh, mobile Moxie, uh, Cindy crumb. Yep. Like, like every, it's like if you have a mobile issue problem, like your mind just goes there, right? They've yeah. put some out so much great content about that. They know it in and out. Um, so I think that's, I think that's some of what's interesting in terms of just what you know, because nobody knows everything with, yeah. with, with SEO is too big at this point. Yeah. And uh, Cindy Crum, for those of you that don't know, episode number five of the page two podcast, go check it out. And we get deep into, uh, and that was one of the first times in that interview that I had ever heard the term fraggles, which has since become more of a well-known thing that she's kind of, kind of coined. We talked a lot about fraggles and in natural language processing and the idea that things like podcasts, uh, Google probably is in Amazon and everybody else probably already working on ways to not only transcribe, but show um, not just web pages, but specific sections on web pages and not just podcasts, but specific snippets of speech within mm-hmm. search, right? Um, and it's and it's only going more and more um, that way. And I actually think that this is a good, uh, a good turning point in this conversation. So you had a really interesting tweet, uh, maybe it was a, a few days, a couple weeks ago, uh, around the idea of things that should be automated in the next two years. And you said internal linking, title tag adjustment to search queries, language-based schema, uh, as well as navigation based on user preference and page priority. So can you like, can you walk me through kind of your thinking there and why you think those, those elements should be automated, how you think they can be automated? Yeah, I mean, the the most interesting to me is, and it's not a full, let me back up a little bit. Um, I was, I was working, messing with um, uh, different, uh, uh, there's a, there's a machine learning library called Torch that uh, was built in a 
think it was a Brazilian mobile language called Lua because it was really fast uh, that's been ported into a language called PyTorch, which runs on Python, which everybody, obviously, or a lot of people, a lot more people know Python now uh, than knew Lua. Um, so a couple of years ago, you know, um, there's a, a guy named uh, from Stanford, I think, I'm not sure where he works now, um, maybe OpenAI, um, um, named Andre Kaparthi that was doing um, these kind of uh, um, uh, building language models, right? So you give it just a ton of text and it would, it was, uh, he was using uh, something called an LSTM, which is a neural network that has uh, kind of a disposable memory to it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, which is really good for language because it remembers the last X number of steps and can kind of know um, uh, uh, that, you know, she is talking about Sally that was mentioned in the previous sentence, right? Um, and so he was training models back then and it was like generating garbage. Yeah. <laughs> but it, 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 I say garbage, but it wasn't garbage. It was like a reasonable sentence. It just like the 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 uh the um stuff that makes good writing wasn't there right um um and i told a buddy of mine where i was working then i was like in two years like machines will be writing content right and almost to the date like alan ai came out with <laughs> their language model and um and which they didn't release, uh, which is, I don't know whether it was, uh, it's a little bit of a PR stunt maybe, but, um, um, they said it was too dangerous. Maybe it is, um, that was able to do like some really sophisticated kind of question answering tasks mm -hmm. as, well as, 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 uh, 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 writing kind of unique content. Right. So, I mean, that's two years. Right, um, and ever since the ad advent of and this uh, really intensive race from an image standpoint and a language NLP standpoint, like you've seen, such, like it's like there's papers released every day pushing it forward, right? Um, so, like I do feel that um, um, a lot of the language aspects of SEO can be and will be able to be automated in a pretty short uh, period of time through um, um, uh, some type of encoder decoder models with, uh, with um, uh, machine learning libraries. Um, there's so much done with transfer learning where you can take something that was trained on like billions of words, give it a little bit of new content, which maybe you give it content that, that imparts some type of voice or some type of tone to it or some type of stylistic writing style as well as a corpus of content. And you're able uh, maybe train it on, you know, millions of titles across the internet and, and really maybe you train it with information from search console about what type of people are searching 
for that page and then it generally you know spits out kind of unique title based on those features and um, uh, um, uh, the learning transferred from previous prior prior work right mm -hmm. um, so I think there's a lot of really interesting things that can be done there and applied to SEO the um, the um, um, the navigation is something that I've been working on, but it's not fully formed yet. But I just, I feel like to a certain extent, navigation should respond to user wishes, right? And um, I remember we did a um, project for a client. It's, it hasn't rolled out yet, but we produced the document last year, mm -hmm. right? Um, where they had some uh, maybe 300 or something um, links in a global navigation and we demonstrated that uh, like 24 of those links were handling like 86 uh, percent of every click through the site Wow! And, like 12 of them <laughs> were handling um, uh, yeah, uh, like 92% or no, I'm sorry. Uh, like 24 of them were handling 92% of the clicks and then 12 were handling something like 86 or 84% of like millions and millions of clicks a year, right? Mm -hmm. And they had some, you know, three, 350 different links on there, right? Like all they needed was those, right? And, the, mm -hmm. and they and they handled the, the mass amount of people because like, people it's so weird in organizations because you're like you have five business units right mm -hmm. and the owner of this business is like nah this has to go there this is really important to us no this has to go there and then at the end of it you have like 300 links that are just important to the business units but have no value to users right yeah um so i i've done i did a presentation in january on that and have not return to it but that's something that is like mulling in the back of my head is can you take data essentially can you test just like think of millions of little a b tests throughout the year right where you place a link you check to see if somebody clicks on that somebody doesn't click on it you move it away right Mm -hmm. um, but to essentially get to this menu or navigation style that's really driven by user needs and also responds throughout the year to seasonality, because since you're testing new links, maybe that one becomes popular all of a sudden, right? Um, that's a really interesting concept to me. Like, I think I have a really hard time <laughs> getting to somebody to test that as Todd. I mean, because you'd need a pretty large site to test that on. Mm -hmm. and uh, you'd have to talk an enterprise client into doing something kind of way out of the box for that. Uh, so I don't know if I ever get to test that, um, but it's just a really interesting thought uh, for me to actually not have it be the, uh, the business that's deciding what's in the app, the menu, and how they navigate, but actually the users deciding that. Does that make sense? Oh, it, it makes total sense. And I, I echo your sentiment about the idea of um, getting to implement the sort of best in breed, advanced, really progressive ideas. And uh, I've had a few of those kind of just sit 
in in erode on their die on the vine before when I'm literally saying this will make you millions of dollars if you just focus on that and just have them them laugh and I always say like it's not hard to come up with the opportunities. It's hard to get them to implement them and get them to accurately implement your recommendations in a timely fashion to the point where it almost becomes like more of a psychology exercise. How can I get this person to do what I want with respect to implement the thing that I want in a timely fashion? Like what do I say thing A, thing B, thing C? How is it going to work out? Or how do I play the conversation? And you're thinking about it along those those lines. Um, it's kind of crazy. But the, the thing I was going to bring up with respect to the navigation is I, I actually think that there's going to come a time when not just the navigation, but the entire site design will respond to the user and how they interact with the site. And what they won't I feel like there will be a day where a site is no longer static um, in the sense that the design always stays the same. And there was a, a beta test and I can't remember the name of the platform that came out a few years ago. And it was a, it was a new website platform. It was kind of like in the mold of a Squarespace and their sort of value proposition was that you don't have to worry as much about the design because what's going to happen is or what would have happened had it kind of stuck around, uh, the design would have, over the course of time, as it learned more about how users were interacting with your site, would have adapted and changed based on the user's interactions uh, interactions with your site. And it never really got off the ground, but I always thought it was a really cool concept to see a, a design adapt based on user behavior as opposed to any other any other thing. It was the grid, right? Yes, that's it. That's it. You got it. Yeah. yeah. It was terrible. It was like, it was, it was, I signed up for that, was on the wait list, like. Yep, me too. Yeah. Immediately. And then I set up a site on it and I'm like, this is like horrid. Like it, it was difficult to use. Um, it never like really, like I think it, just like here's your content and then here's a menu and you can add some pages. Do you know what I mean? And it never did anything. It was like, I was like, this is the coolest concept ever. I think like the, the, um, the, uh, credibility behind it was what got me because I think it was like some ex Google AI engineer or Mm -hmm. some, somebody with strong AI credentials had come in and was building that. And then they're like, you know, it took forever to actually launch. And then they're like, we're going to launch now. And then it, you just never heard anything else about it. But yeah. 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 But like, it, yeah it was the grid. Cause I years before it's time. <laughs> probably. But yeah. I mean, it's still, it's still interesting. I'm sure. Um, uh, I don't know. Maybe they, I, I think you're right though, because um, I do think, that they were probably early and I think that they probably learned some things from that. And I think there are some learnings that can be applied to some other platform mm-hmm. uh, in the future uh, that would make that possible. But it's a, it's a fascinating area that's bound to have some um, uh, uh, faulty starts, I guess. Absolutely. Well, yeah, that's the risk of uh, 
any any startup business. Uh, I and I just came from a startup before I got to search discovery and. It was a startup that helped other startups, and the big mantra was like 95% of startups fail within the first year. So that was right. definitely one that failed. Yeah. Uh, so let me ask you something. You mentioned uh, something earlier, and I, I do want to kind of talk about this. I try to talk about it in every episode because I think it's, it's, a, thing, it's a thing now. There's a lot of um, – there have been a lot of – there's been a lot of negativity in the SEO industry and, and in, in some cases warranted in other cases, there's just a lot of uh, hate, hateful SEOs. It's kind of an industry, especially lately that seems to eat its young or, or in some cases I've, I've seen, and in some cases it was very much warranted, right? The, the Yoscon stuff, the SMX stuff with respect to, I believe Barry Adams and the, the slide that he had presented, but then in other cases, you've got uh, kind of some of the earlier personalities in the industry, like the the, the Rand Fishkins of the world. Uh, people, I, and I don't know if it's just me noticing this, but people seem to be like really pushing back on some of those early, I don't want to call them gatekeepers, but kind of the, the bigger talking heads in the industry. And I feel like there are some, there's kind of a new group of SEOs that seem to be like, pushing back in, in, in some cases, very negative, negative way, um, against those, against those folks. And I don't know, I just wanted to get somebody else's take on kind of what's going on in the, in the industry. And I don't know, what can we do to get better as an industry? Um, it's a, that's, it's a very complicated topic, I think. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't know if I'm going to have a good answer Cause I, I like, like one thing I tell my daughters is that if you go looking for badness, you're going to find it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? If you yeah. go actively looking out for that and you know, um, I, I mean, I think it's healthy, you know, um, the thing with, with Yoast and the thing with, Barry is like, I have two daughters, Mm -hmm. right? Um, um, like I, like I want to see, I don't want, I never want to, uh, see people like invalidated. Yeah. If, if, if they are not, if they feel a certain way, right. I want them to be able to express themselves. Yes. I felt this way. Right. And if they want to do that on social media, if they want to do that through a blog, if they want to call somebody, mm-hmm. then that's their right to say how something affected them and, and something and how they felt. Right. Absolutely. And I don't think that should be graded based on gender race or anything right that someone felt this way because this or someone felt this way besides that right it's enough that they felt that way right and they Mm -hmm. wanted to say something about it so i mean i i have noticed in some of those that there do tend to be some uh i'll say fire stokers right yep. um that 
maybe make it a bigger issue than it is. And I'm not, I'm talking generally, I'm not talking about any one of the individual issues, mm-hmm. um, but um, there seem to be certain people that make certain things bigger issues than, than they are. But the reverse of that is I think it's healthy. Right. And uh, you know, when I read politics, I don't read one side or the other. Mm-hmm. Right. I want to read everybody's side, right. And make an informed decision. Um, when I read stuff online, I want to hear people who, you know, um, say what they feel. If somebody's offended by that, I want to hear what people say who are offended by that. Right. If people felt like that the people who were offended, didn't have a right to be offended and they say something else, then I want to hear what they have to say. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's healthy. Um, um, you know, I think if he gets into like name calling or, or, um, belittling based on, um, um, uh, certain variables that somebody can't control about their life, then I think that's just terrible and just go away. If you don't have anything to add to the conversation, um, or you're just mean spirited about stuff, I think that's harmful, but I, I think it's good. Uh, I think it needs to be done and, you know, um, as long as it's, uh, as not mean spirited, I mean, if you go to conferences and you put yourself out there, you're, uh, I think I've seen people get called out for doing presentations where somebody came out and said, you know, what you were wrong about this, right. Mm-hmm. Or you mischaracterize this, or you didn't say this in the right way. Right. You, put a screenshot up of, you know, someone, uh, uh, that's taken from a screen grab of, of, um, uh, a domestic violence silhouette. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And someone, I mean, I, I, I think it was a poor choice. Um, I, I, I doubt that, you know, uh, I'm not going to try even try to characterize the intentions behind it, but I think it was a poor choice. Um, And, you know, it had kickback and it probably should have. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, uh, I don't know what's, what exactly is going on generally in the industry other than maybe it's a situation where 10 years ago, people that didn't have a voice now have a voice um, either both because of the way that the tools like the Twitter, uh, Twitter is a great example that these types of social media tools have proliferated, um, or the fact that in, in some cases, maybe certain people were, didn't have a voice because they were being held down. But I do think that there's a certain amount of, um, pent up, aggression that has been building up over the course of time that I think we're now seeing come, come out and kind of manifest it itself um, in some ways, very good. And like you said, um, some of this stuff should be talked about and in other ways, not so good. There, there, you know, there are some, some angry people and, and in some cases there are some mean spirited people. And in other cases, like you, like you had mentioned, there are people that, probably should be, should be called out. And I think for me, the thing I'm, cause some of this is very far from my personal 
experience and not something that I, I know a lot about or have direct experience with. But what I will say is I think it's important for, um, for people in the industry, shows like this, um, to talk about it uh, and to talk about it with people that have an opinion and, um, and have, been, have potentially even in some cases been impacted by this type of stuff. So I think it's important to have dialogue and um, make people who maybe weren't aware aware and allow people to share their opinions and share their feelings. And that's for me, um, that's the type of stuff I'm hoping to kind of like bring out over the course of time and allow people kind of a forum to talk about that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Um, so let's switch gears. Uh, you were, you were on a baseball card search engine, uh, journal, uh, named you a top 140, uh, SEO to follow in 2019. What's it like to get your own SEO baseball card? <laughs> I don't, it, it was the cool, that's the coolest, uh, that's the coolest like marketing thing I've seen in a while. It felt good. It was, it was cool. cool. It was cool. <laughs> and I was number three. Nah. Yeah. Yeah. I like to have a number three, three on the card, but I know that he, um, is that, uh, I think Danny Goodwin, um, said explicitly that, you know, these are random order. <laughs> there is no, um, but it, yeah, it was, it was, it was cool. Um, and I was, I was happy to be on that um uh, um it you were talking earlier about kind of imposter syndrome and like i've always had that and i still have that but i've just tried to be an open book to a certain extent extent this year and um, just share a lot online with like troubles I've had and, <laughs> and yeah. Twitter is a great medium for that. Right. Um, I just, I, I share, um, like, uh, I did a thing, um, last December where I noticed that, you know, for this one search result, we trended the Google search console over the period of, I think a month or two. And then right around the holidays, like it was all red, like in red was the hundred not ranking. Right. Mm -hmm. But for this one site right around the holidays, it like went to green, right. Mm -hmm. Which was top 10. Right. And then it went right after the holidays, it went back, back to red. That's like this, this almost empirical example of like Google, like changing their search results based on the season and the intent of the search the the search results changing right yep. and like i've seen that thing that is just a screenshot that i placed on twitter but i've like seen it in like three or four articles written up about search intent and like my name's there and i'm like that's kind of cool that is cool um, <laughs> but um like yeah I, I really like twitter because yeah, yeah i like twitter's just the, like i don't have facebook um I like Twitter because it's the ultimate social tool for me because I can really streamline the information that I receive to people who only give great information and don't share a lot of fluff. Mm -hmm. um, and then I just share kind of cool stuff that I'm working on. 
uh, as I'm working on it. A lot of it's dealing with data or just interesting findings that I've seen. Um, and I think that more than anything, as well as, I guess, doing the SEO meetups and the tech SEO and just getting to know some of the other uh, SEOs has kind of, I guess, helped me have a little bit of a platform. People like the stuff that I share so that it's, it's a good validation um, that you're sh- sharing at least some decent content. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which good. Yeah. And I, I personally find, um, I feel like 10 years ago it was, like blogs uh, and, and kind of long form content that was kind of a, a big deal. And I feel like with, with, uh, with Twitter and, and kind of the level of adoption there, um, as well as with the rise of mobile, I even find with myself, my attention span is much shorter and that is increasing or, or shortening exponentially over time. And maybe that's also a function of having kids and, and having a crazy life. But um, I find Twitter as a medium I tend to go to more often even than blogs or, or, or long form articles uh, on a website. And, and I think that those still have their place, but Twitter uh, is a very good medium in this industry in terms of sharing and pro- proliferating information, reputation. Um, I always tell people uh, a couple of things when they get into the industry, uh, build your own site, uh, go write, publish, publish content uh, with your opinion uh, because at some point somebody's going to to read that, whether they're going to either uh, whether that's going to give you a reputation in the industry and validate that you know what you're talking about, or somebody's going to read that and want to offer you a job, uh, and then have a Twitter account because that's where all the best, in my opinion, the best SEOs uh, tend to tend to congregate at, at least now. Um, mm-hmm. Speaking of other congregation places, you are a part of the Tech SEO Reddit thread and that has been uh blowing up lately you've had a lot of good guests you had gary isles i heard it through the grapevine or did you already have bill slosky we i was just looking that up we we haven't had we've had gary we had john mueller last year oh yeah um we just had yeah we had ghost Um, and then this month we had, um, uh, we had Paul Shapiro actually just a couple of days ago. This is like the 1927 Yankees of SEO. It's a, it's, it's a pretty good lineup. Um, if anybody had, uh, I was reading, um, I was like, um, we have about four members, uh, Russ Jones, Patrick, Paul Shapiro, uh, Jeff Luella, who's running that or the mods for that Reddit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, Jeff's been spearheading <laughs> a yeah. lot. I know him and Patrick and, um, and, uh, um, Paul have been spearheading a lot of that. I'm not sure right now who they have lined up for, uh, coming up, unfortunately. Um, but I will say that Paul's was there. There was some incredible content there. Yep. Um, I've read that through. I, unfortunately, I I was slammed Monday, but I as I, I read through every uh, question and answer he had. He's a Paul's a smart guy. Um, yeah. There are some definite nuggets that I think any tech SEO or really any SEO can take out of his uh, AMA. So I would definitely read that. Yeah, and I find um, 
I was going to say, I find, I find these AMAs that you guys are doing really, really interesting because like I said, in a lot of cases, it, now granted the threads themselves are long. So it takes a lot of, it takes a, a huge amount of attention and attention span. So there, there have been times where I, I'll read a snippet and then I'll go back for a little bit more and a little bit more as I have time. But there's some, like you said, some really great stuff. In many cases, it's short form answers. In some cases, they, you know, they all have to go into to a deeper explanation, but um, really good, really good content coming out of that. I would absolutely recommend uh, to anybody listening, if you've done the first three things that I just mentioned, then go to the tech SEO Reddit thread and absolutely um, uh, pay attention to that as, as well. I think it's really good uh, content that you guys are putting out. You know, the craziest part about that is that um, with Gary and John, like we thought we'd have to mod so heavy on that. I was like, I was like, John, just let me know if there's anything on there that you <laughs> like yeah, have yeah. a fun offense to. Like we didn't have to, like everybody was actually asked really great questions, was nice. There wasn't like, a, um, I, I know on, uh, I think, uh, what is it? Uh, um, uh, one of the sites was called out by John like last year uh, that John was like, I won't promote the site. Uh, because it um, has so much hateful information in the comments. And um, yeah. um, I was and yeah. And like anytime you get a Google representative, you can get kind of a lot of hate coming in yeah. there, but they were really good questions. Like we didn't have to heavily mod at all. Um, some of them were kind of eh, kind of on the line and we kind of deferred to leaving on the line. Um, um, but, uh, yeah, it was very civil. So I was really happy with the SEO community, uh, and those, uh, and it was a lot of great content generated. Yeah. And I, I don't envy their job at all, uh, both John or Gary, and I don't, I don't know them personally, but in, in Matt cuts before them, I, I, I don't envy their job at all. And they have a really, really hard job to try to, um, I guess, transcribe or translate the really complex relate relationship between the what's going on within the inner workings of Google, the, the current state of the algorithm, which probably no one person has access to the whole thing and to translate those and distill that information down to simple actionable nuggets that um, SEOs like us can take away and I find that people can sometimes treat them so poorly um, and, and they, they put so much um, negativity towards those people or skepticism. And, and I feel like those guys do a good job of handling it. And I, I think Gary's very snarky and I find that, I find that funny, but especially John um, does a great job of keeping civil and, and um, keeping positive and, uh, I think, I mean, I think he does, the, both of them do just as great of a job as, uh, as Matt Cutts did for, for what kind of their roles are. And I feel like sometimes they get a, a little bit of a bad rap in the, in the industry. And I personally would love to see uh, people actually start thinking of them like other human beings. In addition to other people within the industry, I think we all just need to think of people like, hey, this is another human being that we're talking to, not a, a Google mouthpiece or a robot or whatever. So yeah, treat people like you want to be treated. 
Well, to be fair, and um, I will say that Matt Cutts was there when Google screwed over a lot of people from making a lot of money. That could be true, yeah. The whole penguin and panda stuff. Yeah. Like, there were people who had entire networks and stuff that was just like, you're gone. And there's been this slow transition, maybe not so slow, where I think a lot of the talk in SEO was a lot of black hat tactics and how to gain Google. And then a lot of that has evolved beyond since when Matt left and when John is there to talk. There's still some of that, but a lot of it is how can we add value? How can we add quality? Yeah, um, what do we need to do to be better? Right. So yeah. I think it's gone from gaming to how do we, how do we do better? Right. And that's, I'm not, uh, diminishing John because like, I think John's incredible. Like I, he's on top of everything he holds. Like he's always on Twitter. He's always answering uh, questions like from anybody, right? Stupid questions. I've had so, sent him so, so many stupid questions <laughs> and I look back at it and I'm like, why did I ask that? Right. And he, yeah. like he responded to it or didn't respond to it. Um, but I, I, I do think, that Matt was there when there was a lot of anger. And then I think a lot of people got used to the new kind of paradigm with Google that it wasn't going to be this easy thing you could do and you had to put the work in. Mm -hmm. And I think John's been more of a part of that. Um, but I also think that SEO has grown. There's gotten more people. There's gotten more, um, um, uh, different types of people, different types of problems. You have JavaScript, which is just mind numbing. You have the Google search console disaster. Which yeah. is, well, um, the two Google search consoles. That's <laughs> oh, horrible, but yeah. I, I like it, but I, I, uh, I, I think they were a little, um, I think they were a little quick to disable the old one. Yeah. Um, but, um, um, yeah, John's John's incredible. It, I, he it's it's amazing how much he does and how active he stays. Uh, and I think it's incredible to have to balance what what how complex Google is and putting that in terms that people understand. Yeah. Plus parsing everything through the filter of what Google wants to message out about things. Right. Uh, because of whatever their priorities are. Right. Mm -hmm. um, um, plus generally trying to be helpful. Right. <laughs> so trying to keep all those priorities uh, in order, I think is, is probably kind of difficult. <laughs> yeah. And, and I feel like with, with Matt being kind of the first face like that, he did a, I think a good job setting that precedent. And I don't think like, especially with all the anger, I, definitely don't think Matt probably had a whole lot to do with that, even though they would parade him out and say, go explain this, go explain yeah. this, Matt. Um, yeah. And that's kind of what I was, what I was getting at. Like these poor guys that are being shoved out front in front of the podium uh, probably aren't the ones that are necessarily making a lot of these calls. They just have to explain them. So yeah, don't envy that position. Um, so I want to be, be respectful of time. I've got, I think two, Two more questions that, I, that I'd love to get your insight on. And uh, this is something that I talk about um, 
every, every episode because I think it's important. Uh, biggest success and biggest failure in SEO for you personally. Mm. The, the, probably the biggest success was uh, several years ago in getting Mezzo <laughs> to top five, uh, which that way, I would say that as well as building out a link building program. Uh, yeah. that, 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 that was my biggest, one of my biggest successes because we built a link building program from nothing to building, you know, 60, 70 links a month, uh, for a single site and like great links, right? Really good, good quality links, not, not crap. Um, um, the biggest failure has probably come within the last couple of years and, um, getting, and it's a, it, you had mentioned something about this earlier with one of your clients who you were trying to, uh, get to implement things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I've been struggling with that lately because I think every SVO has problems getting clients to implement and prioritize, right? But I've taken it more personally lately, right? Where, you know, because every SEO has has successes and challenges with that, right? Um, and it's easy to just say, you know, well, the client just won't implement, right? It's their fault. It's their fault, right? Uh, or they can't implement it. They have the resources, right? It's really easy to get into that mindset. Yep. Um, so I would say that's been probably just being extremely honest. Um, one of my biggest failures. I I would just say that I was talking about Paul because he gave kind of a ICE model um, with the implementation, the confidence score, and then the ease, which yeah. I thought was really good. But that's that's something I've been and working on very difficult is you have to you have to as a good technical SEO you have to really give good technical advice and you have to solve problems and you have to put money opportunity in front of clients but you also have to do a good job of getting them to see the big picture mm-hmm. and to see the opportunity and I think that's one place that I need to work on uh, as an SEO. Um, I mean, we've had some really big, uh, wins, uh, for clients, but like, I want all of my clients to all of my clients to do really well. And, you know, we have our challenges just like everybody else, but I take that as a, I take it. I don't want to do the blame the client thing, right? I want to, what, what could I have done to have made this easier to understand or easier for them to see the opportunity. I want to take that all myself for me to grow. Otherwise it's just easy to all the time say, you know, they didn't do that. They didn't do that. They didn't do that. Yeah. And I, um, I, I agree with that. And I feel like I've, I've dealt with that my myself. And that's why I say it becomes almost like a bit of a psychology game. And, um, 
uh, it is very easy to say, oh, the client's an idiot or, or I can't understand why they don't see this. It's so clear. And when you really kind of shine the mirror on yourself, sometimes it's an instance, like I said, I had today where I was talking about something that I felt like was very simple, but the, the client who is a very smart person right over their head um, or yeah. they didn't see it as clearly as I, I saw it. Um, so, so sometimes we as SEOs have to do a better job of kind of translating that information. And then I think the other part of this is the personal side and the, the passion that we have and the conviction and, and the, um, the conviction in the recommendations that we were going, that we are going to make and knowing how much we think that we can help this client's business and, and almost kind of the feeling of like having to drag them along to it or get them to see your, your vision. And that can be personally frustrating. And sometimes, and I've been guilty of this, you take that frustration personally and it, and it impacts your, your mood and your, um, how you're feeling. Uh, and I, and that's been something over the course of time that I feel like I've, I've done a good job of getting, getting over that hump and not feeling so personally attached when something doesn't go my way. Um, but there are times when like, sometimes you just got to get up, go take a walk and, <laughs> and that's a completely healthy thing to, to do. And in fact, I have a, I have a really, really smart colleague of mine who is like, he is, he is where I'm at and I'm 37 and he's 26 or 27. And I'm like, how did you get so good? So young? Um, because he, he knows things at his age that I'm like, it took me, all, all of my like 12 or 13 plus years in the industry or whatever. And like, you've been doing it half the time. You already know all this stuff. But one thing that I, I see myself in him is exactly that allowing it to affect you too personally and um, taking that burden on your shoulders and not just letting it roll off and letting it, letting it go. And that's um, something that, that he and I have talked about quite a lot. And uh, I think for him, it'll improve as he, as he goes along in the industry. But, um, yeah, it's hard. It really is hard. It's hard. So last question, uh, and then I'll let you go. And I appreciate you actually jumping back on after our uh, technical issues. Um, always want to make sure that I give people the opportunity to give a shout out to people that have helped them. Um, so who would you say has kind of mentored you through the industry? That's a, uh, I don't think, I wouldn't say that I have necessarily a mentor. I think it's like a thousand little hands <laughs> for lack of a better word. Um, uh, I, I, we, um, I was talking to, uh, Mark Trapagan stopped by to, uh, um, uh, at the JP Sherman's, uh, talk and we stayed a little bit after, uh, talking and, you know, one of the first things, uh, when I got into SEO, I started looking out in the industry, uh, for people that were well known at that time, Bill Slowski and Danny Dover and um, um, 
uh, Mark Trapagan and, and like, I just hit Mark up one day and I'm like, Hey, like, can I just buy you a beer <laughs> and just talk to you? And he's like, sure. I was like, really? Yeah. And like he met me at full steam in, um, in Durham, which is about 30 minutes from Raleigh. And we talked for like an hour. Um, and he, we were talking, uh, he gave me this book called the, um, war of art, which is a playoff of the Sun Tzu art of war, but it's by a writer called Stephen Pressfield. Um, and it talks about how your body throws so much in front of you from just beginning work, right. Mm -hmm. From just starting from like doing what you want to do. Right. Um, so I, like that has had probably more of an impact on me than anything over the last five years with just understanding that, you know, things that you really want to do or really want to achieve, like you have to start making steps for that, you know, thinking about it, procrastinating, saying, Hey, I'm going to develop this at some point. Hey, I'm going to do this at some point. Hey, I'm going to do this at some point. Like that doesn't get you there, right? Mm -hmm. Waking up on a Saturday and, and at, you know, seven, and like starting and saying, Hey, I have this entire day and I'm going to start it at seven and I'm going to start knocking out some code I want to do or some learning I want to do or some training I want to do like that gets you where you want to be. Yep. Um, I would say him and uh, probably not as a mentor, but just as a friend, Patrick stocks. Um, he's been with me and Raleigh with the Raleigh SEO meetup. Um, we were on several Slack groups together. We uh, uh, run a lot of the meetup stuff together, talk a lot, collaborate a lot, meet up a lot. Um, he's uh, a really great, great guy. Um, I learned something every time I talk to him about SEO. Um, um, so I'd, I'd say those probably two of the uh, biggest influences on me uh, over the last few years. Yeah, it's funny that um, that you mentioned the sort of the the thousand little hands and the the uh, encounter, I guess, with with Mark. I've I've personally been finding out my myself that these people that, who are well known in the industry, and you would think, like, because it, industry celebrity, like that's a that's a. a a weird word to say, but it, SEO does have SEO sort of pseudo celebrities. And you would think that these people would just be as unapproachable as, as you could about imagine. But the thing that I've been finding out is almost all of them are almost to a T. If you just ask, they'll say yes, if you want to talk. Right. And it's, yeah. it's actually quite an amazing phenomenon where I would imagine in other industries, people who are kind of like the big wigs, uh, the people that have a lot of clout probably isn't like that. I've found in the SEO space that, um, and so all you have to do is ask, right? And, and in most cases they'll say, yeah, I can, I can spare 30 minutes or I can spare 60 minutes just to talk shop or help you out with your, your problem. And, uh, yeah. I think that is something that's really great about, uh, the industry. And, um, for, for however you might feel about the um, folks like, like Rand and um, kind of what, what he might be doing. I always say that it's because of people like him uh, and it's because of people 
uh, like Mark and like you, uh, that people like me ha have a job, right? Um, so yeah, it's I'm always very grateful for the way that the industry shares. And I think people will find out all you have to do is ask. And a lot of these people will be willing to, to give up some of their time to, to help you out. Um, I, have so, a, I have a question for you. Sure. Yeah. What's your favorite mob movie? Ooh, man, that is a tough question. Um, so I, I don't want to be cliche and say um, The Godfather. If I have to pick the Godfather one or the Godfather two. I, I like the Godfather one, but that's a, that's a very cliche answer. Um, if you're looking at the entire mob genre, I would say, and, and this includes shows, the Sopranos is really, really amazing. If you haven't seen it, um, maybe a more obscure movie that I would highly recommend would be a Bronx tale, um, yeah. which from, which from what I understand is, somewhat based in fact and in some cases some of the specific stories that came out of that are a little bit more on the fiction side but it's still really good cinema so for people that haven't seen it um, a bronx tale is really good and then an even more obscure mob movie is a movie that i believe it was made it was made by hbo but it was like sort of a made for tv sort of movie called Gotti, um with armand desanti as john Gotti. And Interesting. Really, really good. I would highly recommend it. Um, and it is, it's, it's better than a Bronx tale, um, in terms of the actual realism. Um, although a Bronx tale is better from a cinematic standpoint. I've got a lot of thoughts on, <laughs> yeah, on yeah. movies for I could, sure. And, yeah. You, know, my, uh, you have mine behind you, Casino. I, I, uh, I, I watch that movie yeah. once a year. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like th some of these movies are anytime they're on, my wife just rolls her eyes and she's <laughs> like, we're watching the Godfather marathon. <laughs> and then she's like, because it's on AMC all the time. And she's like, why do you record it? You own the movie. I'm like, oh, I can watch it anytime I want. Well, you own yeah. the movie. <laughs> yeah. That's great. I don't know why or when that sort of, sort of happened, but uh, yeah, I, at some point just started getting, uh, and I like, I'm a history guy, a history buff. And, uh, I just became fascinated with, with the, the mob and, um, the history behind it and, and the culture and, and as well as kind of the romanticism that comes out through movies, um, just find it fascinating. So in addition to, you know, watching the movies, I read up and learn. I've, I learned probably more than I should. Some mobster is probably going to come and whack me at some point. But <laughs> I know way more than I should. About so, yeah. Uh, that's great. Cool. Cool. Well, where can people find you? Find you at? Uh, J.R. Oaks. J.R.O.A.K.E.S. Uh, on Twitter, on GitHub. Um, um, uh, that's where I do my most of the cool stuff. Um, I do three or four um, articles a year, which I normally share on, on Twitter and other places. Um, and then uh, we run the um, tech SEO Reddit uh, on Reddit, um, which is obviously dedicated strictly to the technical SEO issues uh, and um, run the beer and SEO meetup. Uh, here in Raleigh. So if y'all are in Raleigh, come by um, 
and check us out. It's the second Thursday of every month. And uh, I work at Adapt Partners, which is adaptpartners.com and um, uh, do a lot of really cool work there. Great team, uh, uh, great energy. So, yeah, that's my uh, but follow me on Twitter. I, as I, I try to share a lot of really good content and only good content on Twitter. And I can I can attest. I've been following you on Twitter for a little while now, and it is really really uh, good content. And I will say, I've had a few technical SEOs on, and you're the first one to drop your GitHub profile. So congratulations, you win. <laughs> you win there. Um, yeah. Thank you for coming on, and uh, yeah look forward to uh to sharing this conversation with everybody i thought it was awesome so thank you so much awesome great great talking to you cool all right thank you so much for listening to the page two podcast if you like this podcast you can listen and rate it on a number of platforms including anchor.fm spotify google podcasts apple podcasts radio public applecast stitcher breaker Castbox, and more if you wish to support the growth of this podcast please visit my website at jacobstoops.com forward slash page two podcast or anchor.fm forward slash page two podcast to make a donation would be greatly appreciated. If you're an SEO who would like to be interviewed, I'd love to have you. Simply send me an email at jake.stoops at gmail.com and we'll absolutely set something up. Until next time, happy optimizing.